Hey gang, Wonder Rob here, and Shop's here too. This podcast is part of the Geek So To Speak network. Visit GeekSoToSpeak.com for our full podcast lineup. Welcome back, everybody, for level four of the Sandbox Gamers. That's right. We're the Sandbox Gamers, your friends who play video games. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. We appreciate it. I'm your co-host with the most, Wonder Rob, coming at you live. Well, semi-live and on the line with me are two of my bestest friends in the whole wide world. First and foremost, let's introduce Vactor. How you doing, buddy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. And then on the other line, we've got my other bestest friend in the whole wide world, Jeff W., the always angry Jeff W. How you doing, angry boy? (laughs) Hey, yo, I'm good. (laughs) Good, good. All right. And now for you listeners, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, well, let me tell you what. You're in for a treat because we just recently found out that we are the 106th best video game podcast on Apple Podcasts out of 107, I think. (laughs) I don't know how many there are or how how it uses these ranks, but I got to tell you, this should be a video podcast because both of my Mm. friends here are trying to distract me by zooming in (laughs) on their faces on Discord. But anyway... Thanks for joining us. If you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button on whichever platform it is you're listening to us on. We greatly appreciate it. And while you're at it, if you're listening to us on one of those platforms that lets you review the podcast, leave us a nice review, a nice five-star review, because I'm going to be perfectly transparent with you here. It helps us grow. We're a brand new podcast. We're a spinoff podcast in the Geek So To Speak podcast network. And, well, we've got our core listeners, but we want to grow. so. That'll help us. Do us a kindness. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter. You can find us at SandboxGamerPod. Again, SandboxGamerPod on Twitter. Or you can find us on Instagram under The Sandbox Gamers. We'll give you all the sh- the uh, the dang social media links at the end of the show again, including our own personal ones. And I'm sure they're in the show notes, unless they're not. So that's something to c- consider. Now. This week, everybody, we got lots, lots, lots of video games news to. Dis- I can't do it. I Ooh. think, I think recording on a different night is really throwing me off, you guys. We've got <laughs> lots of video game news to discuss, everybody. Plus, all the games we've been playing, and a nice, fun little topic. So, let me ask you guys a question before we get into all the video game news this week. I want to know, and we'll start with Jeff W. This week. What's your favorite arcade game or games or arcade experiences? Yeah, Jeff? Hey, you know, you know, for me, because I'm not as uh, let's just call you guys boomers season compared to me season. <laughs> uh, for me, a lot of my arcade games, I guess we could say like the arcade game like type, you know, um, Rob, what was that one game with the, uh, remember it's like the, the rock made a movie about it. It's like the, like the ape rampage. The rampage. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Big, big Jack black guy. It's rampage. Yeah. yeah. That was your Jack black fan coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I understand. Oh, he's, in, um, he's in Jumanji too. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, there, there are games like, like that, that to me was, I don't even know if that was technically in an arcade, but I feel it like was. it was. 
Yeah, I was it a was. huge Rampage fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of my seminal arcade experiences <laughs> yeah. because, and I'm sure Rob knows this, when you died, because you were a big monster in Rampage, mm-hmm. and when you died, you shrunk down to a little tiny human, and you were naked. Oh. And uh. so I would always try to pick the girl because when she shrunk down, she was naked and she was covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's it was one pixel big and she covered mm-hmm. two areas on her body. The men mm-hmm. would cover up just one area. And I was mm-hmm. like, as a kid, I thought that was the funniest thing in the world mm-hmm. that there's these little <laughs> naked guys running around. So I thought, yeah. I thought Rampage was a good game. I can mm-hmm. picture little Vector at the arcade in the bowling alley or wherever he is. Yeah. Just Asking his mom for quarters. I keep dying. He's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, I got away with it again. I got away with it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the That's perfect not, crime. Not I hope too Kathleen's far listening. I hope Miss V's listening right now. <laughs> um, so for me, a lot of the stuff, I don't have like a nice, I don't think I ever had like a traditional arcade. We were talking about this a little before the show. It was like, for me, it's always been like a pizza place that has like an arcade in the back or like, um, a Dave and Buster's Chuck E. Cheese type thing where it's not just arcade games. It's like, you know, ski ball and tickets and stuff like that and jungle gyms or whatever. Right. Um, it's funny. I do have, my dad is like a big pinball guy. Uh, uh-huh. not so much that he has like, a you know, a bunch in the house. He does have a pinball machine in the house, but, uh, he, uh, when, anytime we'd go to these places, he's just on the pinball machines playing for however long we're there. And uh, so it's funny, like post high school for me, uh, when I was living with them for a little bit, it was uh, he had bought that, you know, uh, bought the pinball machine as a grown man once we started leaving the house and playing it. So that's kind of like what I grew up with is him showing me that stuff. And the uh, factor we were talking about at the the Aerosmith uh, arcade game uh, Revolution X, Revolution X. Yeah, that I I have vivid memories of that. And that's a pretty basic like just you know, shooter on rails or not even on rails. What would you call that? Like shooting gallery, right? Where yeah. I mean, it is on is rails in front yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. It's like a side mm-hmm. scrolling. Um, and the thing about that, that was unique and it's in that midway documentary, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, but it was the digitized actors, which started mm. in, um, well, actually, Mortal Kombat? yeah, it started Mortal Kombat. It was like the big one. But even before that, um, they had like Smash TV that had a little bit, and there was Pit Fighter, which was mm-hmm. also like a Mortal Kombat style arcade game, but it was like fully digitized actors. And that was the thing about Revolution X. It had Aerosmith in it, and they were mm-hmm. taking you to. I almost felt like the Aerosmith roller coaster at oh. Disney World, where they're like, all right, guys, mm-hmm. we need to get to our concert. So yeah. get in the limo, <laughs> get in the taxi, yeah. and we'll take you there. <laughs> There's monsters coming. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you're like, like this. That is game crazy. was great because it was like the Terminator <laughs> Two shooter game that was also mm-hmm. like that. So I was a huge fan of both those games. And you know, it's funny. I was, uh, in fact, I remember we we were watching this because I think we were trying to get uh, video games. I was watching clips of it when we were talking. Um, I think we, pl- me and my dad, probably beat that whole game in the arcade. Oh wow! Which is like an hour long because yeah. I'm looking at this stuff and I've never played this outside of that. Like I have not played it like. You know, on a console, I don't even think it exists on a console. It might. Yeah, they have um, them on um, emulators. You can get emulators. Them. Yeah, I've yeah. never played it outside of that, and I remember like end levels to that. So I'm pretty sure me and him must have beaten it because uh, I remember playing these, 
And um, I have so I memories of Steven Tyler just saying things mm-hmm. like, wow, Revolution yeah. X. He would just say, say things when you probably when you press the start button, he's, <laughs> he'd just say weird things. But mm-hmm. that's one of my core memories of that. Yeah. And so um, I guess not to drag it on too long. That's kind of my summary. You guys, I think, actually visited like a real arcade. I, barcades don't count to me either. Like I've been to that, but that doesn't count to me. Yeah. Rob and I are on the edge of the arcade era like we weren't in the 80s we weren't in like the pac-man and uh, mm-hmm. kind of what you see in wreck it ralph a little bit but we were like on the tail end of arcades where for, well, I'll, I'll go first rob for me sure. i was i left i might have said this on a previous episode i left the united states my dad got a job in korea so we went over to korea went over to japan when I came back to the United States, arcades were gone. And I was like, what? Because I used to love going to the arcade. My mom would have uh, birthday parties for me at the arcade nice. where people would get tokens. Like all of your friends, you would have in 10 friends come over and they would each get $5 in quarters. They would get like balloons, tickets to whatever. So I loved going to the arcade. That was one of my seminal memories as a kid was going to the arcade because again like we talked about on last week the arcade games were better than the home consoles back then so not only was it better graphics just more immersive experiences and also playing with other people there was no online co-op at that time so there was co-op games like you talked about with revolution x and i'm thinking of like you know contra style games where you're playing um arcade brawlers and stuff like that but mm-hmm. also there was comp- competitive games where like the street fighters and the mortal Kombat's, where whoever was next to you and i remember being a 10 or i don't know 12 year old kid and i knew mortal Kombat front to back like i didn't i memorized all the fatalities i memorized all the moves and i would see guys coming up trying to impress their girlfriends like yeah i'm gonna take this little kid out and then I, you know, killed him, ripped his head off. He's like, man, this game sucks. I'm getting out of here. So I love... You, kid. I'm not getting laid tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a I'm... lot. I love playing the Gallagher game in the arcades. And um, my favorite of all time, though, is probably... Like, I got a t- I have a ton, but I would say the first Mortal Kombat is my, mm-hmm. my favorite. Um I, I man, that's a really hard one to, for me to nail down because it was like different ages and different eras. Where uh-huh. like, okay, for a little bit it was mm-hmm. NBA Jam, for a little bit it was Mortal Kombat, for a little bit there was um, the Avengers game that had Spider Man in it. I talked about the X Men game last week, the the Turtles in Time, Simpsons. Yeah. So I'd go and man, for a long time, Spy Hunter was a huge one for me, and The Rock came out with that was another wasn't that another Rock movie. That he oh, did. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Hunter. <laughs> he was like, all right, let me look and see what arcade games I could do. Jeez, I know. Floating around Hollywood. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I man, all of those. Uh, there was a uh, wrestling game that I used to love. Um. It was like a WWF. I forgot the name of it now, but it, I used to love that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mortal Kombat overall, I would say, was my favorite. I was obsessed with the first Mortal Kombat. And then when Mortal Kombat 2 came out, and then, you know, the the movie, um, mm-hmm. I was huge into Mortal Kombat. So I spent many a weekend mm-hmm. at the arcade, pumping quarter after quarter. You know, I felt like 
in Wayne's World, the Noah's Arcade. Like these kids come in here, I saw them pumping mm-hmm. full of quarters, and I'm and I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's fresh. It's Noah's Arcade. Yeah. And it's almost it almost is it does make you like you see like the one up arcades at like Walmart or whatever those little mini ones like yeah. just yeah. oh yeah like those aesthetic are... yeah, I almost just want one in the corner back here yeah. you know just to have like just I like you know what I mean it, I do miss even though it's like one game I think that's right. what kills I kind I could, of I wonder if I could put an emulator in there well yeah have, like, right other ones, yeah. you know what I mean I was thinking about like a Raspberry Pi for a long time yeah. doing that because when I was a kid arcade games seemed so unattainable to me I remember trying to look into it how to get one in my house and at the time it was like three thousand dollars to me three thousand dollars was three million dollars yeah when i was a kid i was like there's no way i'll ever get an arcade game now that is actually attainable as we are uh adults we can have the mini ones and i I look on youtube there's a lot of people that do reviews of those and i kind of live vicariously through them um but yeah it's definitely now as a it's an interesting time and I'm wondering how my son is going to experience. I'm kind of sad that they don't have arcades the way they used to, because he will never experience it the way that I did. And it's always going to be Dave and Buster's or Mm -hmm. like you said, like a barcade, things like that. And then the one up machines now that you have at home. But you know, what's also interesting is arcades never died in Japan. And I would highly encourage anyone who's into video games to take a trip over to uh, Japan, there's a little bit of a language barrier, but it's, it feels like once you get into it, once you get into the arcade, you got your Japanese quarters, you got your yen and you're just playing, going from uh, game to game. They're all like sit down. They didn't really have stand up arcade games. So they have like that capsule was... machines and stuff too. I mean, they have a lot of like yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of like vending machine type like uh, yeah you know you don't see that over here right as much you know it's it is strange like what's culturally acceptable in japan um they were much more accepting of comic books video games um you know obviously the birthplace of sony and nintendo but it was never like a niche over there whereas over here it was you know we we all are video game lovers and mm-hmm. grew up with it a lot of times, you know, I would get teased like, oh, that's for kids, video games, comic books, cartoons, whatever. Those things are for kids. And when I was in Japan, I was fortunate enough that, my, like I said, my dad worked in the military. So I was able to live in Japan on more than one occasion and seeing people on the trains in, the, in Japan. Oh, that's a grown man. And he's reading a comic book and it's normal or they would have a Game Boy, and it's like, oh, there's grown men with Game Boys and women. That's another thing. It's like, it wasn't as there wasn't as big of a stigma for video games in Japan. Now it's it, you know you see people on their mobile phones and uh, probably with their switches as well. But um, it, I just wanted to say, the arcade experience in Japan was much different than it was over here, and it never died over there. So you can actually that actually might be the way that I get my son to experience is it is take him on a trip to Japan and be like, this is what it used to be like in America. Just leave him be like, figure it out. Learn <laughs> the language. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> I'm interested Louis. to hear Rob's. Experience. Yeah. Well, What's your favorite? So when I think of my arcade experiences, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, Trent. 
I went to plenty arcade, plenty of arcades uh, as a youngster, but my biggest memories, my core memories, I lived in this little town in Northern California called Oroville. Ooh. Little, little town. Okay. We lived in this little neighborhood, and within walking distance, like a quarter of a mile from my house, there was this little convenience store. Oh, yeah. And not, not a name brand convenience not store. Not 7-Eleven. No, it wasn't a 7-Eleven <laughs> or a Circle K or anything like that. It was like a mom-and-pop little one. Like, you know when you go into, like, retro video game stores, and they have, like, the glass cases of video games, like the, mm-hmm. the, the waist-high displays? Like, mm-hmm. it was full of those, but with, mm-hmm. like, like, all the snacks would be in there and just things like that. Like, if you imagine a, a, a retro video game store, but a convenience store like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Within walking distance, and I was, shoot, you know, third grade, fourth grade, maybe. And I would walk there because in their little lobby area, they had an arcade of Mortal Kombat. And that was, I spent so much time playing Mortal Kombat at this little arcade. My mom would give me quarters. She didn't really like Mortal Kombat, but she was like, I think she was just happy that I was not not like doing drugs, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like getting into trouble and getting into fights. I mean, I was like, again, third or fourth grade. So how much trouble could I really have gotten in? Mm. But that was, was back smoking in, in third yeah. grade at the, the arcade. <laughs> that was back in the era, Jeff, where your your parents would let you go out and play, and they would just mm. say, "Be back by dark." Yeah, and they didn't filter care what or you were no doing. filter, Rob. That's oh. the question. Yeah, no filter, buddy. Uh, so. I would play Mortal Kombat, and I had a friend in the neighborhood who was named Robert, uh, coincidentally, so we were the two Roberts. Mm. And we would go and play Mortal Kombat, and other kids would come in, and you'd like stack your quarter. You'd put your little quarter there. I got nicked. Yes. Mm. And then one day, I went in there, and Mortal Kombat was gone. And Ooh. Mortal Kombat 2 was in its place. Yeah. And my oh, mind yeah. was above okay. bone away. And Mortal Kombat 2 quickly became my favorite arcade game. And anytime I think of, I think back to the times when I was in arcades, it's always at this little convenience store, which is still there. I checked it not too long ago, actually, on Google Maps. Oh, wow. uh, Or on Google Earth. And it's still there. And, man, I loved it. And not within walking distance, but we lived on this, on top of this, uh, like on top of a mountain. And there was this giant bridge you would have to go down to get into, like, the main part or, like, the downtown area of Oroville. And right at the bottom of this bridge, there was this burger place called Boss Burger. And it was another mom-and-pop burger place. Again, still there because I just looked it up. Oh, wow. And they had Street Fighter 2. Ooh. And whenever my mom took me to Boss Burger... I would be playing Street Fighter 2, and it was still in that same era. And that's when my obsession with Street Fighter 2 started. But before even I was asking my mom to, hey, can I get it on Super Nintendo? Like, this Mm -hmm. is back before its big jump to the the home consoles. Or at least around the same time. And, man, it was the same thing. Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat 2 at the convenience store Mm -hmm. and at the burger place. Like, I can still taste the burger, and I can still remember... Like, if I close my eyes, I can picture it clear as day. Because I spent so much time there. Like I said, core memories, boys. These are core memories. And then 
And then, you know, my arcade taste would change after a while. You know, Turtles in Time, or not Turtles in Time, but Turtles the Arcade Game came out. Um, San Francisco Rush was a big one that I was really into for the longest time. I loved Mm -hmm. San Francisco Rush, man. Mm -hmm. Um, And every once in a while, there's... I was um, just in downtown Temecula today uh, having lunch with my wife while while we got rid of the boy. He was in school. <laughs> and we, there was a barcade that I didn't know was there. And I walked in there, just poked my, my head in there real fast. And they didn't have San Francisco Rush. So uh, I was like, mm. forget it, forget it. So we went somewhere else. But man, and it's funny, you, you mentioned the those little Ninja Turtle arcade machines that you see at like Best Buy yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Man, I tell you what, every single time I'm in Best Buy, I stop and I look at them. Seven, six hundred or seven hundred bucks, the yeah. Turtles in Time one, and I'm, you know how many times I've almost said, "Fuck it." I'm surprised. <laughs> I just did it. Did. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised you you haven't got it. the The main reason why I haven't done it is it looks like a real pain in the ass to get into the car. Oh. And right. to haul up the stairs and put together. Because they're, they're not full-size arcade cabinets. They're like three-fourths scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, do you have to buy the stand that it come, that you can like put under it to lift it, I think, maybe, too? I, I don't I, think so. I don't so. know if you have to do that or if it comes with it. But you have, there's like a stand that it like stands on. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, th- I think it comes with it. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I, of course, I don't know because I've never bit the bullet on this. But as you know, I'm a TMNT collector. Mm-hmm. And... That would look real good in my office. I'll tell you that right now. But I just haven't bit the bullet yet. And NBA Jam, I want to get that oh, one. Oh, yeah. And they have Mortal Kombat. Oh, they have one that has all the Mortal Kombats in it, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm almost positive they have online capabilities, too. Like, you can play online. Oh, wow. But oh, how oh. many people have those things? <laughs> yeah. So how easy is it to find a game? Yeah. And I always tell my wife, I say, you know, one day when I've got, like, a, a room dedicated to video games. I always have this fantasy of buying like a, a three-story house or a house with a a basement. I'm like, I'm going to fill that basement up with video games or, mm. or when my boy's <laughs> older, yeah. maybe not going so far as that, but like setting up a room with like two PCs with two sets of consoles on each one. Me and my boy just sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to put Mortal Kombat in there. I'm going to put Street Fighter in there. I'm going to get the arcade cabinets. And they're they're still like three thousand dollars, Trent. <laughs> I've I've looked it up in boredom. Uh, again, it's not three million dollars. It's not as out of reach as it was when we were kids, but it's still like well. I and mean, you gotta move to like, it too. Yeah, you, know, you gotta like deal with that process. And part of part of it is the just the reality of like, man, I gotta keep my child alive. Like, yeah, keep my child alive or get Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but man, there's no. I, at least once a month, I think about it. I think, yeah. I think, but uh, that's my arcade experience. That Mortal Kombat, and then the transition to Mortal Kombat Two. Ooh-wee. wouldn't mind going back then, boys. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now that we've got all that out of the way, gentlemen, what do you say we get into some of the video game news? Trent, as long as Trent wakes up, yeah, we can start <laughs> talking about video game news. I also but, messed up the turtles quote. It's not filter, no filter. It's regular or menthol. Is what he oh, says. Oh, I didn't know kid. you were quoting. I thought you were just yeah. Jeff W. I thought, yeah. I thought you were referring to like 
now we use filters in our phones. Yeah. That's the modern era. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> well, as always, we have the latest Russia update. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on over there? Russia is legalizing video game piracy in response to getting a bunch of stuff taken away. They're like, all right, guys, just pirate everything. Open the mm-hmm. floodgates. That doesn't so, surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I, I assume you. you'll start to see Vactor's favorite, you know, spots to pick up things off the ground will change to a dot RU URL, you know, yeah. fairly shortly. And uh, oh, oh, man. Picking up things more legally, let's say. Um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Um, but I think, you know, like Russia legalizing, I don't know what that does necessarily. I think it just maybe isolates them more. Because, like, if you own an IP, think about that, right? Would you ever take it over there, like, in an official manner when you know they're, they don't care, you know, at that point? Um, and I guess you have to see how the whole situation shakes out. But, like, I would never... If I owned something like that, I'd be like, all right, well, why go here? Because you guys don't care anyway. It was like China for the longest time where they wouldn't do that because piracy was so heavy. Uh, right. Right. So, I, you know, it's it's funny that they did it. I think everybody expected that. Uh, but I don't know if it really changes anything for them. You know, yeah. Really. Apparently, in the report that I'm going to include in our show notes, mm-hmm. they have Russian consumers tend to pirate content anyway. So... Yeah. I don't know how much, yeah, that is actually having going to have an effect um, on the Russian video game. I, I really like to have somebody who lives in Russia on the podcast mm-hmm. at some point just to tell us what's it like over there uh, living in Russia. But uh, well, yeah, that's just another strange uh, turn of events. It doesn't surprise me at all. Like it, it reminds me of that. What is it? The GIF of Homer Simpson sinking into the quicksand, giving the middle finger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. like that's Russia, because every all these major video game studios are pulling out of Russia. Uh, entertainment studios like Sony, Universal, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are pulling out. Places like McDonald's are pulling out, and they're yeah, just making I mean, their own McDonald's to yeah. go up in the place. Right. And it's it's. I think probably. For the foreseeable future, not just video games, but just about any American IP or American entertainment studio or American lifestyle, pretty much American anything, you're probably not going to see it in Russia. And it's just going to be a land of knockoffs. And that's just what they're going to have to do in order to get the content that they want to keep, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. So it's like just it's it's a it's a double edged sword or it's, you know. It's a, a a double threat, basically. Like we're still gonna take what whatever you have, but we're not gonna let you back in the country, anyways. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you know McDonald's has licensing agreements with Russia, Universal, Capcom, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it it doesn't really matter. And what are what are these companies gonna do about it? Probably nothing. They probably can't do anything about it. Yeah. So. Right. Yes, we'll see what happens as the situation plays out over there. Um, we will continue to talk about it. Uh, Jeff and Rob yes. have both been playing a lot of Elden Ring. Yes, sir. Yes, but sir. Have you yes. ever thought about finishing the game in under 37 minutes? <laughs> I couldn't so... even figure out how to play the game within 37 <laughs> minutes of starting was, it. Yeah, I was going to say this headline. 
I think is old too, because it's under thirty right now. Um, yeah, the well, last even, I saw was twenty eight minutes. Um, yeah, which might even be, this was posted yeah. last Saturday. Yeah, and even in this, they were saying people mm-hmm. are. It says plans are getting even. Uh, plans are getting even faster times soon. So people. Yeah. Even back then, they were saying, "Yeah, it's going to get keep getting faster and faster." Yeah, and I, I watched the guy that I think they have the has the current record, uh, which uh-huh. I think is twenty seven minutes. I haven't seen that get beat yet. Um, and even he was like talking. I, I watched the whole thing almost, um, and he was, you know, he was like, you could see him slipping up in parts, and like he was missing things, and like they're figuring out like teleportation in the game, like these little portals. So they're trying to figure out ways to, you know, jump around the map uh, a little quicker. And uh, so I imagine that's going to get even lower. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if this thing becomes like a 20 minute, you know, speed run game, um, which I don't know if you guys are like super into like speed run stuff, but I watch uh, awesome games done quick or summer games done quick. I'll watch mm-hmm. like some of those streams. And so it's always interesting to me where, you know, we get a perspective that like the developer gives you and the marketing gives you, um, but they go into like things like, Oh, hey, if you take two steps here and then jump on this rock, it's going to launch you into this other area. They just break the games down on like such a micro level just to save a few seconds in a speed run. Uh, So I often find those to be, you know, super interesting. If you're into a game like, you know, you should watch a speed run just to see what somebody's doing. And even so for me, and I guess I'll just talk a little bit about Elden Ring that I've played this week was, you know, I've like I, I think I said in our chat, I was like, you know, not only is this game of the year so far for me, but it's probably one of my favorite games ever. Um, it just the explore, you know, exploration, you know, in this game is crazy. I haven't even advanced to like the first boss, but I'm like unlocking the whole map and I'm running around and killing like little side stuff. And, and yeah. I still am just not hitting like a wall. And like Rob, I was watching you stream and it's like, you know, you just ran into those footsteps that are like going in a circle and then yeah. you just kill it, you know? And it's like, it's like, oh, this is just some random thing. Just it's by, not on the map. by luck. By like yeah. pure luck. I didn't know yeah. what it was. And you just yeah. like logic your way to finish it. You're to, to getting the thing. And you know, this, this past yesterday I was, I was running through the map cause I'm trying to find like, there's like a dragon that'll give you 50,000 runes if you kill it. Oh yeah. I've, and, I've seen some yeah. videos with that. And it's just a wall. So I was like, I like went to find that and like, I'm just like riding across a bridge and then, this big gigantic dragon comes flying down. I can't beat it. So I keep running, you know, I get away from it. And then on the other side of that, like a a couple minutes later, I'm running and there's another boss on like a ghostly looking horse thing that comes running at me. So it's like, you know, you're like, Oh my God, like if I wasn't like, you know, if I didn't have the horse or if I was just trying to walk this at the beginning of the game, it would have been a nightmare. Um, And so, yeah, this thing has been, it's gripping me and like even the speedrun guy uh i was watching his run and he went and found uh it's called the hoarfrost stomp and it's super overpowered but it's like if you could you could just go get it you know you're just allowed to go run and get it for the start of the game and then you know play the rest of it like that um and so i've been yeah i've been really loving it and i think i'll i'll say the next couple headlines for you back to you know the game sold 12 million copies mm-hmm. and they're looking to you know, expand that franchise. I mean, it's, I, I had to find the stat, but I think Dark Souls sold like, I think it was like 10 million copies over like eight years or something like that. And Elden Ring has sold 12 million in like three weeks. Right. Um, yeah. I saw that. Which is story crazy. Today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like within a it, month it, of being released, it is incredible. Like what, 
timing on a game and marketing does. Cause I don't think like our boy Shoff, you know, I don't think he was like super aware of like the from games, but even he, like, you know, he knows he's like, Hey, Elden Ring's coming out. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. Um, it's super interesting to me and not, not and like, you know, I, I don't, obviously he says it, it sucks, which, you know, I would disagree. I would like to show his Shoff opinion. Yeah, but his Shoff opinion from the geek, so to speak podcast. Everybody, yeah. our, our parent podcast, just in case anybody listening doesn't yeah. know that. And, and I think it's fair, but I'm also like, man, like if you, if you go into that game, just equipped with some knowledge, like you are like it is one of the best games I've ever played, like hands down. Like it's I mean, it's super high on my list. Uh, and, and like and that is like me thinking lot, but not just games that are close to my heart, but just games, period. Like if I'm going, you know, from an objective standpoint, like it is just one of the best games of all time, period. Yeah. And I think, you know, in our big Elden Ring discussion a couple of weeks ago, I won't, uh, you know, tread over the same talking points too much. But mm-hmm. I, I also really think it's in sh- using Shaf as an example. And I said more. God bless. God bless the guy. <laughs> um, we all love Shaf. But I think it's really just a mentality thing. Like you you need to walk into the video game knowing it's not The Legend of Zelda or it's not Red Dead Redemption or these games where you can really just fuck around and mm-hmm. you'll be just fine. Like it's a game that wants you to play by its rules and if you're playing by its rules you'll be just fine i've been i of course i don't have as many hours logged as jeff but i agree with all his points the exploration the 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 freedom to go do what you want and if you run into a situation that's just too much you can leave you can play it really any way you want and i've been enjoying the heck out of this game man and it's it is it is breath of the wild level to me like easily like at least on that same level yeah it is i agree so far it's game of the year for me boys Mm -hmm. but it's only march i think it's interesting the pop culture effect and like we said like jeff mentioned they're planning on expanding the ip so we don't know exactly what that means it could be comics books tv shows movies but it's going to be some form of pop culture. Um, you know, the, the impact is going to be far reaching. So I'm very interested to see where Elden Ring goes from here. Sure. There is a game that I am a huge fan of that Rob and Jeff, I don't know how much you've played. Um, it's called Dead Space and it's a horror game in space. Never heard of it. Never <laughs> played it. Really? Which Rob- I'm just kidding. He's trolling. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> serious for a second. And I was like, Jeff, come on, Jeff. Jeff, um, come on. I have played and beaten every Dead Space game. And it's one of my favorite stories in video games. Mm-hmm. So EA came out and announced early 2023, we're going to get a next-gen remake of Dead Space. And like I said, mm-hmm. it's a... Horror game in space. It's a survival horror game in space. Uh, right up Shaw's alley. I think <laughs> this is going to be one that I will be playing uh, a lot of. Like I said, I, I put a ton of time into it. But uh, Rob, are you a Dead Space fan? I played the first one. I never played the other ones. And it wasn't for they because I disliked it or anything like that. It's just I missed them. Around those times, they just did make their way into my my rotation of games but i did play the first one 
I don't think I beat it, but I did get pretty far. I did spend a lot of time in that game. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. interested in seeing how this turns out. But what's really interesting to me is, I mean, Dead Space was a real popular series. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, but it just sort of disappeared. It just yeah. went away. And they're coming back with a remake. And I thought it was an interesting choice that they decided to remake the game instead of putting a new iteration out. Right. But maybe it's because it's just been so long and like the new generation, quote unquote, of gamers wouldn't be familiar with this. Or they're like testing the waters to see if it's still a popular thing. Um, but here's I've got a question for you, Vector, since you said you really enjoyed this game. For me, video games that I really like, like let's say um, I'm going to use The Last of Us as an example here. Great game. I would yes. even put it in my top five games the whole series actually last one last of us one last of us two i would probably put in my top five Mm -hmm. games right i agree despite that i don't when i go back to play them even though i loved it i find that i don't get into it as much or i find myself not sticking with it and playing it from top to bottom again because i've already played it Mm -hmm. sort of like i'm 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 a, a lot like that with movies these days too even though I loved the Batman, and this isn't... Uh, I know you've seen the Batman three or four times already, Factor. But for me, it's just one of those things. Like, I loved it, but I don't really have the 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 urge to go see it again. And I get that with video games a lot, too. Um, so I'm curious if you run into that, or if you think you'll have that problem if you go into playing this, having beat it a million years ago, and wanting to get back into it. I don't think... With a remake, I will, like if it was, let's say if I was playing the original game in 2022, uh-huh. the original game came out in 2008 and I'm playing it in 2022, then there might be a problem. But with a remake, you have the updated graphics, you have things that you didn't have necessarily in the original. As long as they do the remake right, because look like at the Tony Hawk remake that uh, Jeff bought and has been playing a lot. Mm-hmm. I think as long as they do it right, then I will play it again. I'll introduce it to my wife because she never played the game. And narrative-driven games are the ones that she also gets into a lot. So, And especially when it's third person because first person, she always um, has a problem, gets dizzy. Mm-hmm. So this would be one that I would definitely introduce to her and show her as well. Um, I would probably not play it more than once, though. I would just, I'll, I'll probably beat it again, and then that'll be yeah. that. I'm sure they'll add something, you know, they'll change up some a little bit. It's not going to be the exact same. So I will play it again for sure. And there's certain games that are the exception. Like I've played Ocarina of Times, you know, mm-hmm. I bought it pretty much every time it's been released. Yeah. Um, I found, I didn't tell you guys this. I meant to tell you guys this in our updates for last week, but I found my 3DS, which we talked about, and I Ooh. ordered a, a charger nice. for it because I couldn't find the charger. And I re downloaded Ocarina of Time for the 3DS. Oh, and yeah. um, Link Between Worlds was already downloaded to the 3DS. Nice. So yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back into that and seeing if, if it's more of an old age thing 
or just mm-hmm. not old age. I'm not, I'm not old. I swear. Yeah. I swear guys, <laughs> but getting older where I don't have as much interest in playing games that I've beat before, or if it's really the game, because some games, like I said, I've played a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, um, Arkham city. I think yeah. I've beaten that game like four times. Yeah. Same uh, here. And I think yeah. some games lend themselves more to, to, to Rob. And I was going to make that point that you made Rob, where it's like, Hey, for me, um, I played Dead Space back in the day. Um, I know a lot of that franchise through my brother. My brother's like a big horror game guy, like loves Evil Within, loves, you know, the uh, From games, you know, um, uh-huh. his style. He really likes that stuff. Um, but Dr. made a good point is I was going to say, like, you know, remasters to me, I end up playing a little bit and then just giving up typically, you know, just I'm like, oh, this is cool. They did the change, but I've already experienced this, especially narrative games. Yeah. But, um, some of that, but I, I guess I am wrong in that sense of the, the new Tony Hawk remasters because I've played hours and hours. I don't know what my PlayStation says hours total, but I mean, it's a lot and uh, Epic on PC, but that game is like a, it's a different thing. You know, it's a different animal. Like you're, you're not following a story. You're kind right. of uh, just, that's the difference between. Game. Yeah. Something that's story driven versus something that's gameplay driven. The mm-hmm. gameplay is always going to be the same. You know, it's that, what 30 seconds of fun or whatever it is where you're just trying to recapture that over and over again. Tony Hawk is a perfect example where it's just fun to play. And so the remake is just updated visuals with something like dead space where it's about the story. It's, it's like a movie Rob where Mm -hmm. either let's say they did a remake of a movie and it's the exact same story. You're like, well, I've already seen that story before. Why is this interesting to me now? Um, maybe it's different actors, or maybe they had a different time period, but all the story beats are the same. Now, if you do a remake and it's completely different, that's something else. Then it's you know it's more interesting to you. But I think a little bit of that you brought up the Batman, a little bit of my rewatchability of that one, I think was taken away because, and I talked about this with Jeff, the Dark Knight. There was some elements of the Dark Knight that were brand new for me, that were completely novel. Mm-hmm. In the Batman, I was like, oh, wait, I've seen that before. I've already seen that in the Dark Knight. So it's a little bit lower to me than what my rating would have been if I had never seen the Dark Knight before. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was talking to um, Hunter Camp, another podcaster that I'm uh, doing shows with. We were talking about the Batman last night, and he saw it for the first time. And I was saying... The, the the way that they did the Riddler, it was, okay, you know, we've never seen the Riddler like that before, but it was also similar to how Heath Ledger did the Joker, how we had never seen the Joker done before, yeah. but in this realistic, you know, psychotic way. And so, because I had seen it already, I was saying that that took away, you know, a little bit of the rewatchability to me. He was disagreeing with me on on that podcast, but I think that's the same with these narrative-driven games, Last of Us being um, a prime example of that as well. I haven't gone back and replayed Last of Us, but it's one of my favorite of all time. Um, I think Knights of the Old Republic is like that too with Star Wars, where that's one of my favorite stories of all time, whether it's any medium, video games, comic books. But I haven't played it. I haven't gone back to it because the visuals are so 
outdated. Now, they are talking about a remake right now, and I've been excited about that because it's like, oh, okay, let's put this into context with, with the modern consoles, right? With the modern yeah. graphics. Because our memories of these things do not uh, age way better than the actual graphics You're do. You're exactly right. You'll, if you think of, like, again, Ocarina of Time, even the, the remake that they did on the 3DS, which the graphics still aren't, like, super great, but for the time, mm-hmm. they were pretty decent and that's how you remember it in your in your mind you remember it like that and you go back and play it and it's not anywhere near how you remember it yeah Mm -hmm. funny how that that was for for those type of games with ocarina it was like and jeff and i've had this talk before the the 3d polygon versus the 2d sprite Mm -hmm. on like the the snes those i think the 16-bit sprite graphics age tremendously well because they never necessarily evolved beyond that so it was like those were the peak of that graphic style so they Mm -hmm. still look good now versus with the 3d polygons those have uh evolved tremendously from when ocarina came out versus now so i think that's another thing that kind of plays into these remakes where if the visuals are really different and it looks completely different we will probably play them. The same thing with the Halo. Remember when they brought out like Master Chief Collection and they had the thing where you could just press one button and you saw yeah. the original versus yeah. how you saw the, the remake. And it was like, oh, that's cool. They had way more detail in that corner over there. Mm-hmm. But it's the same story. Same mm-hmm. voice acting, same recordings. Nothing has changed necessarily on the story. And I didn't go back and beat Master or Halo, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there has to be something specifically about it let's say either i'm showing my wife i'm playing it co-op with somebody um there has to be an added element to it for me to go Mm -hmm. back and play it if i've already beaten it um Mm -hmm. i think dead space is going to be one that because i'm going to be showing my wife i think that's going to be the the added thing for me and um also she's never seen that story before so I have this with movies, and that's actually why I'm going to see the Batman again tomorrow, because I'm going <laughs> to see it with my sister-in-law, and she's never seen it before. So seeing a movie with someone who's never seen it before, it gives me their... Like, I can see it through their eyes. I can see their reactions. Yeah. And that is more fun to me than watching the movie over again. Mm-hmm. So I think the game is the same way. If I have something where I can experience it again through another set of eyes that's going to be enough for me um but yeah i'm, and, I'm definitely yeah. excited about dead space and that um, makes a lot of sense oh yeah. don't want to talk over you jeff i just want to make one quick point to yeah, to, yeah. to fact what he just said because i know factor love love loves mm. watching me play uncharted yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's, that's a perfect example yeah yeah the graphics on uncharted one are a good example where in my mind i was like yeah, these graphics are great. And then I was watching you replay, and I was like, ooh, these don't mm-hmm. look the same as I remember. Yeah, yeah. It um, looking duty. I was yeah. going to ask, um, the thing I was going to say was like, I was like, is this the one with the needle in the eye? But then I looked it up. It's Dead Space 2. Yeah. There's the, right. the needle in the eye scene. Rob, I don't know if you ever played that, but there's a one where you're like, I don't remember a game showing that, and you're just like, oh, my God, this guy's about to get a <laughs> needle in his eyeball, and you're just it's, like. It's cringe. vaguely familiar. I don't. Th- 
I I know I never played anything past the first one, but I, I maybe mm. I've seen videos of it or of yeah. people of it was on the internet and the maybe X Play mentioned it. Yeah. Good old and Adam Sessler. There's three total. I don't think they're gonna get to remake all three. I don't I don't know how successful the the first one is gonna be, but this remake is coming out in early 2023. So I bet you the sandbox gamers are gonna talk about it when it comes out. Oh yeah, we mm-hmm. talk about every video game, baby. Yeah. And uh speaking of every video game, Jeff W is a huge Grand Theft Auto fan. Sure. Mm-hmm. It came out the news came out this week that two GTA games, Jeff, were improved. And I want to know what you think about that. GTA Online is getting a next-gen version, which is prettier and easier to get into. And GTA mm-hmm. 5 is getting next-gen load times, which makes the game load much faster. So, uh, Rob, I don't know how big a GTA fan you are, but Jeff, that's one of his franchises, just like Tony Hawk. That's one of Jeff's big franchises. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I played you know, all of them. Even down from the PC, mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 2, like the top-down boys, Ooh. a million years oh, ago, wow. okay. I played all of them. Um, I have not had any urge in the slightest to go back to Grand Theft Auto 5 personally, because mm-hmm. I played it in 2013, the first time yeah. when it came Two out. Two console I, generations ago. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I enjoyed it. It was good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm very much looking forward to Grand Theft Auto 6 whenever that game comes out. But Grand Theft Auto Online... Not n- no no appeal for me. Just personally, mm-hmm. no appeal for me. Same with Red Dead Redemption Online. No appeal for me. Um, but I know that's just me. What about you, Jeff? Tell me. Tell me. Tell yeah. Me, tell me. Um, I'll say a couple things. Um, so I uh, there is a load time comparison. Um, I don't know if you guys checked it out yet or anything yet, but I saw this mm-hmm. earlier in the week. It does. I do appreciate them putting this out. You know, this is like the Nintendo thing I was complaining about, where it's like, hey, I kind of want like all Nintendo games to be on all their consoles, you know, especially when they're so uh, the emulation community is very, you know, strong with Nintendo games. Like they should be putting things out on the current consoles. So there is something that I can appreciate that about that here of them continuing to put GTA five out on the consoles. And I'm like, I like that I can play it anywhere. Uh, The problem with me for that with me is that problem was solved by putting it on the PC. First off, uh, because I don't ever need to worry about, you know, back backwards compatibility uh with that and then uh this does increase load times if you look at that load time there's load times on there that go from they it it sometimes is like it goes from like a 30 second load time to like five seconds uh or from two minutes to like 18 seconds you know there's drastic uh load times uh improved here Uh, and actually it's funny i haven't played gta online until i got banned uh for two <laughs> weeks for cheating Uh-oh. there was a there was a mod that had a really racist name and i'm not gonna say it but you can google there was a gta mod that let you cheat online and i remember having this mod and Did shock uh, make it oh uh, yeah i think he authored it yes he authored it um, <laughs> it was crazy I, I didn't even know the guy made it you know a little there's you know six degrees of shock connection there you know um but it uh I remember I got banned because I was giving people money because you could just drop money and they were charging money for online. So like I would just give people money online and then like you could also like blow up their cars, you know, so I could hit like a button and just blow it up. And this was anybody in the game could do this, you know, uh, and then somebody reported me and I got banned and I haven't played it since. Dang. So I think this is um, actually I think I can technically go back. I own everything I got, but they take all your money. 
Um, so that happened. But uh, yeah, this to me is like cool, but like, is any, I don't, I don't know anybody that's playing it anymore, to be honest. You know, I, I think it had a second life, a second breath of, of life with the uh, Twitch stuff, the GTA uh, role play stuff. But outside of that, I don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. People do role playing on. They're not, 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 not what's going down in Oralville. Uh, Oralville. <laughs> no one's going downtown to Oralville, Rob, in this role playing game. Well, but forget it. But, <laughs> Next story. Yeah. Next story. <laughs> but that, you know, there is like some life in that game, but I just don't care about it anymore, basically. Uh, which is, okay. you know, bigger things to tackle. Well, Speaking of bigger things to tackle, Jeff, I am a huge fan of cloud gaming, and mm-hmm. I always want to keep you guys updated on what the latest cloud gaming is, because I was actually out with a friend a couple, uh, last week, we, we were having pizza, and this friend works at Amazon, so I was like, oh, how do you like the Luna stuff? And he's a gamer, too, because he was talking about Elden Ring. I was mm-hmm. like, how do you like the Luna stuff? He's like, Luna? And I was yeah. like... Yeah, you work for Amazon, you know, the, the cloud streaming platform that is that you, it's the company that you work for. So <laughs> He's I like, I work in the warehouse, man. I'm shipping <laughs> yeah. out, out bottles, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't so, go pee. What are you talking about? I don't know about I don't streaming. think a lot of people are really paying attention to what's going on in, in the cloud gaming sphere. So I wanted to let everybody know that Google Stadia is trying to reinvent themselves because they had a pretty rocky start. Rob, did you ever get to try out Stadia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't particularly like it. It really uh, is dependent on your internet connection, I think, because if you have a really solid one, the convenience of being able to just press play and you can play the game, that's what is this, like... The draw of cloud gaming. That's what everybody's they're trying to sell us on is you just press play and there you're playing the game. There's no installs, there's no updates, it's just immediate like satisfaction. Yeah. For me, it wasn't so much that. I didn't really have a a, a hard time with the internet connection, but I was trying to play it on like my iPad and my iPhone, which as I'm sure you know, they don't have a uh, it doesn't run natively. It doesn't have an app or anything. So you have to use it through Safari. And I found that really cumbersome, especially like you couldn't get full screen versions of the game. Like this was a while back, but I was trying to play like Immortals Phoenix Rising because mm-hmm. I had my, at the time, I had my Ubisoft membership and the the monthly subscription service that they had where it would save all your games to the cloud and you could just pick up your saves wherever. Yeah. When I was in uh, Jamaica last year and the internet was fine, but I couldn't, and the game played fine, but I couldn't get past the fact that I was playing it in Safari. Mm. It just was not working very well for me at all. So, and I know that's a very specific situation. Like people with Androids, I'm sure it's fine. You know, if you're playing it on your laptop or whatever, I'm sure it's fine. But for me, I wasn't doing that. I was trying it on my iPad and my phone, and I just could not be happy with it. So and I canceled Jeff, that subscription. <laughs> Jeff, did you try out Stadia when it first came out? Uh, I haven't done Stadia. Actually, you're like one of the only people I know that that got the Stadia thing and checked yeah, it out. Yeah, I was um, in the beta. I yeah. got the controller. I Google, I don't remember what the circumstance was, but I won a Stadia for free. And Google sent what? me a controller. They sent me a Chromecast. 
Google will do that. I got was free Chromecasts f- for YouTube TV. They will give you free shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the Founders Edition? Like, were you considered a Stadia founder? I think it was. I think because, like I said, I was in the beta and. I think I was, I think I did get a Founders thing. Um, but I just like being able to play. I didn't try any mobile stuff, but being able to play in the browser, being able to play, like I said, without having to download anything was great. And I I had similar experiences with xCloud, with Luna, mm-hmm. and with NVIDIA, um, the GeForce 380, what is it? Um, the 3080, yeah, 3080. the RTX. Yeah, I've, I've really liked, you know, when my internet connection was stable, and it's really, you know, a wired connection is preferred over wireless. But I've had a good experience. Uh, I've had good experiences except for the internet connection. So what they're trying to do after a kind of a rough landing or a rough start, I should say, because a lot of hiccups, a lot of people were not happy on day one. They are trying to entice people by giving them free demos, free trials, and... Um, being more friendly to developers. So the pitch, um, I'm quoting from the Verge article, which I'll leave in the show notes. For developers, it's free and easy to bring your games to Google's cloud platform and put them in front of everyone instantly. For gamers, Stadia is going to be a place that you can browse games you might want to try before you buy, no risk whatsoever. And if you like what you're playing, you can just continue from there. And at the end of your trial, you just press pay. So that is a great, promise now whether they you know whether it sticks to landing on that i don't know i'll have to um think about it because the way that game pass is right now is is kind of my preferred method of subscribing and just getting as many games as i want mm-hmm. stadia i just i still don't like the fact that you have to pay for the service and you have to pay for the game that's what yeah. I, that's what i don't like about it uh, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing with Luna, but Luna you have to subscribe to different tiers to get all the games, and I don't like that. Um, so if they would just include it in with Prime, I think Luna would probably be my preferred one uh, over all these. But this Stadia thing is interesting to me because I've talked many times with um, I, I think off mic with you guys. I want the days where we got demos for everything to come back because like with that Kirby demo that sold me on the game. I'm going to buy it because of the demo mm-hmm. versus our friend Shaw from the geek. So to speak podcast has been burned a couple times recently where he's paying <laughs> yeah. full price for games, including Elden ring and not knowing whether he's going to like it or not. So 60, $70, Per game is kind of a lot if you don't know you're going to like it, right? And that's why I miss the days of Hollywood Video, of Blockbuster, where you could rent the games. Um, Now, you still have Gamefly, and I've dabbled. I've I've had Gamefly at least 20 times. I've signed up and canceled (laughs) it. (laughs) Because that is really the only way to rent games now. If they could, if they could do a digital rental service, I would sign up for that. Like PlayStation Now, or like uh, Game Pass is is kind of the closest thing now that we have to it. But if you can get me a demo of every game, give me sixty minutes with it, and then I can decide if I want to play it at the, if I can buy it at the end. That's a, that's kind of an enticing thing for me to sign up for Stadia. 
because like I said, I already have it, so I can mm-hmm. uh, use the controller and play it. Uh, do you think having free trials and demos will entice you guys to try Stadia out a little bit more? Probably not for me. Well, actually, no, I take it back. If that if that became like an exclusive feature for Stadia, like these game studios are signing agreements and say, okay, we're going to put demos out for all our games on this. You know, it's with the subscription and you can try this stuff. I might be a little more inclined to at least try it. But for me, with like Game Pass and all that stuff, like, that's a little more enticing on my end because if I can download whatever, and if I don't like it, who cares? Because it's all just within the monthly service. Right. Or if Stadia, I know it's not going to happen, but if Stadia switched to that model, which they won't, then great. That would be fine too. But also cloud gaming is a very um, niche service that doesn't exactly fit my needs a whole lot, especially with like Steam Deck coming out and all that stuff. So. For me, I would maybe consider it, but it wouldn't be like I have to drop everything and try it. And I think right. if people yeah. people are all in the space at this point. I played a little bit of uh, when we talked about Luna last week or the week before. I uh, I went to Amazon. I, I was trying it because I'm like, okay, there's got to be something for Prime people here, you know, like a little bit of something. Uh, and they have like certain sets of games that are free on Luna through Prime. Yeah, I talked uh, about that. Oh, okay, you said that. Yeah, yeah. Devil May Cry 5 uh, is one of those. And I went in there and just tried it. And, I, you know, it was pretty good. And it was pretty responsive. Um, I was kind of impressed with that. Um, but the problem is I'm just not going to play it like that. I'm just like, if I'm here, I'm going to play it, like, locally where I have, you know, sure. zero lag time. Yeah. And I don't find myself in too many situations where I need to do it. But then, like, you know, like with xCloud and that stuff, like, in the GeForce, like, I feel like I would... Or, you know, like like with Luna, you know, versus Stadia, I would probably go elsewhere for that experience anyway, right? Well, the problem is it hasn't gotten to the point, and this is what the big draw of the 3080 is for, for um, NVIDIA. The problem is the streaming quality is not as good as you having it locally. And we saw this with movies where Netflix is at the point where it's good enough that I would say 99% of people don't care that it doesn't look as good as if you have a disc. Um, there's some people out there that, you know, are diehard physical media fans because the sound and the audio or the, the audio and the visuals are better than streaming. But Netflix is at a point where they've got 4k HDR Dolby sound. And it's, it's good enough for most people. If games can get to that point where you it's you can tell there's a difference, but it's hard to see the seams. It's hard to see the difference between if you have it locally installed versus if you're just playing it over the cloud. Like I said, not having to update, not having to install. Convenience, I think, is going to win out over people saying, "Oh, it looks better." Um, now, response time is is that's something different than a, a movie. So if you have lag and mm-hmm. you can't play, then yeah, that's you're not going to want to play it cloud but what i'm saying is like if it's a one-to-one and you have complete um you know control over that and you don't have any lag i think convenience is going to win out eventually and the cloud platforms you know whoever solves it i think is going to make a lot of money and that's why all these companies amazon microsoft google they're all trying to get in because 
once you can, you know, get get yourself to a point where it's sustainable and it's everybody likes it, I think it's just going to be a big cash cow for them. So I think I'm going to try out some of these demos on Stadia, and I'll report back to you guys. Uh, Microsoft is also trying to improve their xCloud uh, gaming platform. Specifically, Rob, this goes to you, on iPhone and iPad. Ooh-wee. And iPhone, you have that backbone, don't you? Yeah, and yeah. I've played, um, I've streamed games from my Xbox to my phone. Like, I've, you know, turned it on and just played downstairs um, sometimes, like uh, Death Store. Like, I got a little further in Death Store just, like, a couple weeks ago before we actually started this podcast, actually. Yeah. Um, and so that works out really well for me because that's just working through the app. And yeah, fantastic. and speaking of the app, um, Microsoft is actually currently working on a dedicated Xbox app for TVs that will allow players to stream games without a console. And they're actually looking at that um, for the NVIDIA thing, too. I noticed that there were certain TVs that are coming with these NVIDIA apps. Because right now, as it is, for GeForce Now, you have to have either the NVIDIA player, which is like a Apple TV type box, which I've had before and I liked it. Um, but you have to have that player or you have to have, you know, a PC mm. with that app. You're only going to have to have the TV itself, which yeah. with the advent of smart TVs and, you know, having Netflix and a Hulu and all these in, built into the TV. It's just like, I've been using the boxes a lot less and the TVs a lot more. So once they get that Xbox app, um, they had already moved to 1080p and 60 frames per second streams last year, but they still don't do 4K streaming like GeForce Now does. Um, 4K HDR, 60 frames per second, or 1440p at 120 frames per second. So I'm really looking forward to these improvements that are coming down the pipeline. Um, Specifically, if you can play it on an iPad, that to me would be the killer thing. If you're playing it with an Xbox controller on an iPad, uh-huh. um, that is going to be something special. The phone, it's just a little bit too small for me. I guess it would just depend on the game. You know, it's not going to be like Steam Deck where I'm going to be playing every game on there. With a phone, I think it has to be specifically tailored where the developers are creating it for the phone in mind. Versus just porting over a full God of War or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But with yeah, the iPad, mm-hmm. that's something that I'm like, okay, yeah, put the full game on the iPad. I can play it with a controller. I can get that nice size. Um, I'm I'm looking at it pretty close to the screen, so it looks like a nice uh, big monitor might. But there's supposed to be just less latency and uh, video optimizations that are coming to the iPhone and the iPad. Well, I'll, if if they can get it working really well on that, I think I would be a little more open to trying that. Because I, I, it works perfectly fine when I'm just streaming it from the console, right? So yeah. if I can get that same experience within the app, I might be a little more likely to try it. Because um, I'm out on the road a lot. Like my job, I, I run a business. I'm going, you know, from place to place. And... There are definitely times, there's like down times in between where I was like, man, I can't wait till the Steam Deck is here so I can just play games. Or if I could have something where it was where it was super reliable and I could do it on my phone or my iPad, then of course I would be a little more inclined to do it. Yeah. And I've got 
two more stories here uh, before we talk about our games that we've been playing this week. So Let's Rift, go! Rift Tracks is coming out with a video game, Rob, where okay. you can rewrite the worst B-movie scenes. So Rift Tracks, in case anybody's not familiar, they are kind of like a comedy, not parody, but they'll take old B-movies and talk over them, make fun of them. And it's that's uh, Mystery Science the Theater. Yeah, it's that guy, yeah. right? It's kind of like same that. People, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're finally, you know, I haven't heard from Rift Tracks in a long time, but I used to be, I was a huge Mystery Science Theater fan back in the day. But uh, Rift Tracks, and I, I don't see this a lot anymore. Um, so they're, they're finally coming out with an actual party game um, from the developers, developers behind What the Dub, which I never played. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be nine ninety nine. Uh huh. Comes out May fifth on all the platforms: Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, Steam. And I want to know, Rob. There's actually a trailer for this game, Rift Tracks: The Game, is sure. the official title. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Maybe I'm going. Let me look this up right now. Rift. It's got multiplayer. Maybe we can play it. Hmm. Put that up on the old Geek, so to speak, YouTube. Maybe. Maybe they don't give us that copyright strike. How much Weird Al is in this? That will tell you, Rob. (laughs) See, Jeff likes to think that he's burning me on this, but I (laughs) love Weird Al, and I take that as a compliment. Thank you, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. if there was lots of Weird Al, even the tiniest bit of Weird Al in it, I would buy it. Mm -hmm. So, jokes on you, Jeff. Fair enough. Taste of your own medicine, and it is bitter. It's I can't find have... a trailer for this game. I'm looking for it. I don't know why it's not popping up. Oh, here it is. It's going to have Twitch integration. Uh-huh. Where your audience can cast a vote, which is kind of like that, you know, the Jackbox games too, where you the multiplayer like people vote on their phones for the trivia answers. Mhm. Looks like that's what this is going to be. Um, so I'd like to play this multiplayer actually. Seems like a fun time here jeff did you ever watch riff tracks um no i only saw like stuff on sci-fi but i was like too young when i saw stuff right because uh, yeah mystery like, science was even the humors like wasn't you know i was into kids shit right no like, <laughs> adult humor i'm sure it's fine but i've never um, i actually work with a guy that was huge that's why i know that the riff tracks thing is because he would talk about it all the time and how much he liked it um and i just never got around to like you know they actually have a subscription service where you can stream hundreds of Rift Tracks movies for six bucks a month. Oh, jeez. Um, I'm not that much into it. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. the, the humor necessarily is not... Like, I get a lot of that from How Did This Get Made, the podcast, from Earwolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it where sounds I get... like a, like a like a decent party game, though. Like you said, if you're recording, yeah. maybe it's like a, a thing. Yeah, I was just I just watching... don't know if I'll ever play it. I was watching the trailer just now. Um you can create your own riffs and you type them in and then it does a voice to speech. So it's just voice to speech talking over whatever is going on on the screen. Or there's hundreds of pre-recorded riffs where you're just like, I'm going to, it's like, Mm -hmm. it it feels like a a video game version of um, like know your meme or uh, cards against humanity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, that's sort of the vibe it's giving me. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll maybe be streaming that in the future. Look look uh look out for the geek so to speak YouTube channel um for that one. 
Yeah. Now, my last news story tomorrow, as we record this, uh, PlayStation's new state of play. We just talked about one. There's another one coming out. They're going to be revealing gameplay footage for Hogwarts Legacy, which mm-hmm. was announced back in 2020, September 2020. Um, There's a PS5 showcase, which um, everybody got excited because it's an open world Hogwarts game. And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of Harry Potter fans. You know, Jeff, I know he takes a bath and butter beer every night and he says his, <laughs> his I've probably seen more yeah, Harry butter beers himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. But this project I'm interested in, it's actually had a lot of controversy around it because it leaked right well that back in the day like originally people there. were you know the whole jk rowling thing where she's got a history of transphobic oh. statements and mm-hmm. writings so they tried to warner brothers games try to distance themselves from jk rowling saying she's not directly involved in it it's actually kind mm-hmm. of funny the way that warner brothers has done that kind of shifted away from her because they you know harry potter's a cash cow they want to keep on milking that but they don't want to have J.K. Rowling, the creator, uh, be associated with it. They had a reunion on HBO Max. It was like a 20-year reunion. Did you guys watch that? No. No. (laughs) I did not. I watched it, and it was all clips of J.K. Rowling from like five, I want to say five years ago. Oh, she she was not in it. Yeah, she wasn't involved. She Mm. Actually, they asked her, but she turned it down for whatever reason. But all the footage you see of her was from a Harry Potter museum event that she did. Like that's mm-hmm. when, what she was talking about. It. But the controversy does not stop there boys, because last year in March, two months after avalanche software had announced that the game got delayed up until 2022, the lead designer left um, mm. because on his YouTube channel, he expressed sympathy for Gamergate and other right-wing cultural grievances. So he left the game. Mm. Um, So there's been a bunch of controversy behind the scenes. I'm still interested, not being a huge Harry Potter fan, but an open-world Hogwarts game, I'll check it out. I'm not hugely excited about it, but I'll check it out. See, I was interested in the, since from the leak that I think that I don't know what year that was. It had to be I was not even in, in Phoenix yet, so that had to be 2019 or earlier, maybe 2018, when that when like footage leaked on like a cell phone of that. Uh, and that was and it took them a while to even announce that game. I think it took like another two years for them to be like, hey, this is a thing, and people were waiting for it. Um, so I'm excited to see like what this thing is. I don't know why they didn't include it in the original state of play from last week. I don't know what would have changed in a week. And um, I guess, Vactor, going off your comments, if they put QAnon in this video game, <laughs> it can fuck off. <laughs> oh, man. If QAnon's <laughs> not in it, I'm not playing it. I'm, not <laughs> um, I'm a very, very... I'm the loosest term of casual when it comes to Harry Potter. I've seen the movies... A mm-hmm. couple of times there, I've been to the theme parks, which are fine, but I have I have no interest to watch. You know uh, what what are the what are the newest Harry Potter movies called? 
gosh. It's not Harry Potter. It's the but in the Wizarding World, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, I know they're within the Wizarding World. No, no interest at all to watch those things. But I do love a good open world game, and I do love the idea of you know a sorcery based open world game. Like they they've got my interest. They've got my interest. Yeah, I think I don't really care. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all on the same level here. If it doesn't have Harry Potter in it, I'm not interested because mm. it's Harry Potter. Like the whole thing is named on Harry Potter. So like with the Fantastic Beasts, this third movie is about to come out and Dumbledore is the only character. I've seen the other two and I would not recommend either of those movies. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't have Harry Potter, why do I care, right? Like it's almost like yeah. The thing I wouldn't that you watch got... if you did recommend. I'm just laying out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. No. It's if there was what if I told you Weird Al was in it, Rob? Well maybe. Mm. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just if you're getting into a franchise because of a specific character, and then you tell me that that character's not there, I don't care. I don't care about the world of Hogwarts. Mm. I care about Harry Potter. That's what I came here to see. And it being it's kind of like, you know, how they're just you know, we had like a dry spell of like good Star Wars games. I'm talking like actually good, not like, hey, Battlefront, which is fine. I'm talking about like a good game, like, like, like you know, something that is critically and, you know, audiencely, you know, audiencely, audience, you know, um, highly rated between both of those. Um, I just it's interesting to me that like Harry Potter being like this major franchise has never had like a game like that really you know there's like i played some other stuff like on like the gamecube i remember there yeah. being like they a had lego kind of game and stuff like that but um yeah i don't I, it's kind of interesting to me that it's you know, number one it's taken this long and then you know two that they don't have something it is very much in that star wars vein to me where it's like it's interesting that like like you're this franchise and you have all of this money and all these other things but you just don't have like a, a great video game out it's really weird to me yeah, if you um, got a theme park, you should have a good video game. Yeah, but I'll, I'll watch this probably tomorrow when I get free time. Yeah, there's going to be 20 minutes of gameplay, so we'll check that out and report back on the Sandbox Gamers. That's it for gaming news this week. Hey, that was a long one, boys. Yeah. That was a long one, but you know what? It's not the size of the, the, the news area. It's how you use it, I suppose. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the games that we've been playing this week. Our big, big, big discussion is going to be uh gran turismo 7 but we'll get to that we'll get all the little things out of the way first and i want to point out that tunic is going to be the game that we're discussing in our next episode the big topic of discussion so keep uh if you got xbox game pass download that i didn't even know it was on game pass until i started downloading it so check it out uh but first up on the list it says triangle strategy is that you vector yes i played the demo of triangle strategy on the nintendo switch Mm-hmm. And I did not like it. it Ooh, no, very much felt like an NES game, an SNES game, and it was not ported over well. the The graphics looked grainy to me. This is a brand new game in 2022, and it looked like it was from 1992. Uh, yeah. Was not a f- yeah. Was not a fan of the visuals on this. Game. It has um. I guess the best way to describe it is like a tilt shift. Mm-hmm. Like if if anybody out there listening doesn't know what tilt shift is, think think about like a macro lens photography or in Ant-Man, in the movie Ant-Man, mm-hmm. when Ant-Man was small, how it would 
you'd see blurriness on the top and the bottom of the screen. Like it, yeah. it has that look to it. Yeah. To me. Um, I was not a fan of the, the look, first of all. And then the gameplay is like a turn-based um, strategy game. So not really my favorite style of game. So triangle strategy, uh, played it for about five minutes, and then deleted that demo. Did not like it. <laughs> did you play Octopath Traveler? Yes. How, did, um, how do you like this art style compared to that? Because they look really similar to me. Yeah. I think I like Octopath better. This one, it just, like you said, with the tilt shift, the mm -hmm. strange focus, field of view. Mm -hmm. I don't know what specifically what the reason for that was. It doesn't make it look good. And um, the sprites are fine, but it just it just looks outdated to me, the overall. So I don't. I don't know what they were going for with, with the visual look to it. Okay. Well, maybe we'll play that when it comes out. Maybe we won't. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, next up, it says Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Yes. Yeah. Another demo that I got the chance to check out. I love this game. This one, I, I'm not a huge Ooh. Final Fantasy fan. Okay. But this is one that I would play. The, the style of game, I've always... I've been a fan of the action RPGs in the Final Fantasy franchise. And think of like Kingdom Hearts style versus the turn-based style. I like being able to go up and just hit people freely. I don't want to wait my turn. I'm impatient. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to go up and kill people right away. So I liked the way that um, the combat works. I like the leveling up capabilities and um i didn't because i was just playing the demo to talk about it here on the show i wasn't really paying attention to the story sure. but i'm sure the story's fine uh, it's, it's a final fantasy game so it's they've probably got a deep narrative going on there uh jeff you had recently played the final fantasy 7 remake right yeah i played a, a little bit of that it's like a totally different game right um uh, you know so this one is is more in my wheelhouse. So I really liked Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, and it comes out on March 18th. Mm. I think I mm. will be checking this one out when the full release comes out. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think it's, and there's like some weird translation problems in this game, like localization things. Like, so like there's some articles out there about how cringy the game is, uh, which is, which is funny. Um, and I, I, when I was watching, uh, I didn't get a chance to look at the demo, but I was watching some of the gameplay of it just to see uh, what it was. Because I'm also not, you know, like the core, like Final Fantasy, like, you know, your uh, your SNES games and your PlayStation ones. You know, those are the ones that are more in my alley. Uh, the later ones, like the MMOs they did, all that stuff. I'm not into those uh, as much. So anytime there's like a Final Fantasy game, I'm always checking a video to see what, mm -hmm. you know, is out there because I just it's going to determine whether I want to play it um i'll probably play this and check it out it looks you know like you said more action rpg some like sword play and stuff no it doesn't look like a a turn-based game uh, right. obviously uh but i do think it's uh it's always fun to get the uh the japanese developers in on this and just see the uh the goofy stuff that happens uh in yeah. translation uh next up on the the list i'm actually gonna go a little out of order uh aperture desk job yes which i know is meant to be a tech demo for the steam deck but you can yes. also play it on pc for free 
Yes. Um, I have not played this. You asked me this off off the podcast if I was going to play it. And I said, yes, but I'm going to wait till I get my dirty little hands on a Steam Deck. <laughs> but I know you played it. So give us your impressions on that. I, well, Portal and Portal 2 are two of my favorite games of all time. Anytime I can jump back into the world of Portal, I'm there. So that's what initially got my interest. Um, I will say, without spoiling anything, uh, J. Jonah Jameson comes back as Steve Johnson. And it's the whole thing is like 30 minutes. So it's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, full narrative (laughs) uh, game. It is really a tech demo for the Steam Deck. And you could tell because there's certain buttons that are not on my Xbox controller that I played it with that are on the Steam Deck. So I'll be interested to hear your thoughts when you play it. But it was the exact same style of humor as Portal. Um, you know, it's got the like the Wheatley robot that comes down and talks to you. It's not Wheatley, but it's a different robot. Yeah. Um, and I just like being in that Portal world. So I, I really enjoyed Aperture Desk Job. Um, just made me want to play Portal again, actually. And one of these days, I think about that every once in a while. I know I gave a whole rant about playing old games, but maybe I've forgotten the puzzles. I think that would be my main problem oh, with yeah. playing actual portals that I know how to solve the puzzles. But yeah. it's been it's been quite a while since Portal Two came out. Um, next up is an oldie but a goodie: Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Oh, and it was just deleted. Oh no, it's back! It's back! <laughs> it's back on the the agenda. Trent was Trent's a perfectionist. <laughs> uh so I've played this game. I haven't played it recently, but I know you're playing it right now, yes. Trent. And uh, Jeff W, how far have you gotten into Guardians of the Galaxy or have you played that? You know, I have not gotten into that quite yet. I bought it and then announced on Game Pass and I've not played it yet. Uh, okay. But I know I know I've heard a lot of people that, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of talk about especially the voice acting, you know, people liking the uh the voice acting in this game despite it not being uh, the movie. So I, yeah, I have not, but it is on my list at some point. Um, I'll speak on it briefly because I know Trent's the one who's been playing it the most lately. But this is was in my top five games of last year, and if I remember correctly, Trent, it won Game of the Year or co won Game of the Year on the 2021 Geeky Awards on the Geek So to Speak podcast. Um, this game I I really liked. And it's a shame that I haven't been getting into it more. I tend to fall off games a lot when there are, and it's nothing bad about the game. I can't stress that enough. But we're in a a period where there are just new games after new games after new games coming out. And if I, I already take a little longer to get through a game top to bottom as it is, you know, being a dad and working full time and all that stuff and not trying to ignore my wife (laughs) or things like that. So I tend to hop off and on to these things a lot faster than I used to. Um, but I really, really like this game, and I really want to get back into it. It is on my list of things to get back into. My only apprehension would be the the combat system is... I don't want to say it's super intuitive, and it does take a little getting used to. And so I would have that learning curve, like getting my wrapping my mind around the... The, the combat system again, mm-hmm. but but how's your experience has been on this? 
actor. Would you say it's closer to Batman type uh, no. combat actor no, or no. something no. way different? Um, completely different it's not bad but it's i it's almost like i know you asked factor but let me step in and answer yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um it's almost like a strategy like an rts mm, is how okay. i would describe it like it's it's real-time combat but but with a lot of rts features and that's the mm, best way i could describe right. it because yeah. basically what you're doing instead of having one-to-one combat you're like you you have that and there's there's a shooting element to it and then there's a little bit of melee but for the most part it's like sending your other guys out the other members of your team hey go kill that guy go hit that guy and so you're like rob said you're you're having these strategy elements where you're planning your attack and then you've also got your uh stuff that you're focusing on so Hmm. it's not one-to-one like arkham is um and it definitely doesn't have the the uh, parry combo system that Arkham has, which is like the gold standard for for combat games. So, to me, I'm like Rob. I started playing it when it first came out, and I really liked it. It was one of my favorite games of last year. But mm-hmm. I ended up going to on vacation to visit my parents, and then um, life, and then just other games were coming out too, where I got away from it and i said man i really need to get back into it and with horizon and elden ring i said what are the games that i haven't played that i'm still i don't want to get lost before Mm -hmm. i get to these newer ones and guardians and uh psychonauts were the ones that i thought about so i said all right Mm -hmm. let me play guardians because i'm already like halfway through so Mm -hmm. i got up to chapter 11 out of 16 on Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And it is exactly what I remembered liking about it last year. Um, all the pros and cons. The story is great. The voice acting is great. The music is great. The combat and the gameplay are average. I'll put it like mm-hmm. that, where if you take it on its own, the combat is not the best yeah. part. You know, Yeah, not something that you would say, hey, play this game because the combat is great. You're really playing it because it's one of the best stories, voice acting. It's like a movie or comic book where you just love those characters. You really want to spend more time with them. So that's what I would say about Guardians. I just wanted to mention that I've been playing more of it, and I want to finish it. So once I get to the end, I'll let you guys know. But that's, that's another one that I probably won't go back. I won't New Game Plus that one. It's Mm -hmm. once the story's done... All right, now I can play Horizon. Now I can play Elden Ring. Yeah, it's interesting. They're still getting interesting stories out of Guardians. In fact, we've I've said this probably twenty times to you before. Where I'm like, when that when they first announced the movie, I'm like, we were talking about like, what is this? This stupid raccoon thing that nobody knows with the you know these weird characters. And then they're uh, it's interesting that years later, like it's been. I mean, what, when when did the first movie come out? It feels like we're about to go on a decade here soon. Dude, man, uh, probably like um, 2014. 2014, yeah. right? That sounds about yeah. right or something. Like, we're about to go on like a decade of like solid Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, which is uh, well, you know, just really interesting to me. Yeah, see, but the thing is, Guardians is like Avengers. It's mm-hmm. a rotating cast. So mm-hmm. I think you and a lot of people are used to the movie cast, or yeah. lineup, I should say, of Guardians. Mm-hmm. The comics have a lot more. There's a lot more um, 
rotation. Like even Venom was on Guardians of the Galaxy. Wolverine's I, not in space. <laughs> no. Iron Man was on Guardians of the Galaxy recently. Okay. So it's like there's a rotating. Like you could keep doing these stories if you rotate the cast. This mm-hmm. game is the movie lineup. So it's like yeah. it's trying to capitalize on the people who know the movies. If the Telltale game was the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I want to see them add the the rotating cast. I want to see Venom. I want to see... Um, and that was the... Um, yeah, <laughs> they that was... slap Venom in the next one. <laughs> and that's not <laughs> the um, the Eddie Brock Venom. That is the Flash Thompson Venom, um, which is a whole other comics debate or discussion. But I'm really enjoying Guardians of the Galaxy. And like I said, I'll report back when I finish it. Yeah, cool. and I, I really do want to get back into that game. I know it's one of those things where... Not to get too uh, inside jokey or inside baseball on everybody, but you know we have uh, all three of us have our Discord chats, you know, with other mm-hmm. friends where you'll be talking about a movie or a TV show, and the, the other people will say, "Oh yeah, I, I got to get back into that," but mm-hmm. that, there's no real intention. Yeah, but for me, Guardians of the Galaxy really is like it's a it's a great game. The the way I would describe it, real quick before we move on, Jeff. Is think of a ten out of ten a ten out of ten game. Animation's great, art style's great, voice acting is great, story's great, combat's great. It's a ten out of ten game, except for that combat part. Combat, okay. It's just that they notch that down to maybe like a seven. Fair enough. If they can improve, yeah, if they can improve the combat in the follow up, because I think it's it was successful enough. There's going to be a Guardians two. If they can improve the combat and keep the same storytelling and uh, voice acting, I think that is going to be a huge hit. Yeah. But speaking of huge hits, uh, a big, big sequel, highly anticipated sequel, just recently came out, Gran Turismo 7, uh, the seventh in the mainline series. Uh, are there spinoffs of this game? I don't really know, because mm-hmm. full transparency, I've never played a Gran Turismo game in my life Dang. before this week. Yeah, And I know that's the same with Jeff W., yeah. Correct. So my, my, well, I've played games. I played. Remember, they had the Prelude Factor. Was that mm-hmm. on th- PS3 or four? Uh, let me look it up. I did the Prelude games, and I was honestly, you know, my I have a vivid memory of of playing on the PS1. Maybe actually, I can't remember. It had to be PS1 because it was so long ago. My cousin, my cousins had like they had. Their whole house was like a, like the top of it was like they had you know the attic or whatever area and they had like the bedrooms up there and I remember being that's like we're playing a lot of you know my early video gaming was happening and I just remember playing those games and trying to get the licenses in the game and it being you know was uh, it the prologue yes. prologue yeah it might okay, be the that prologues was, yeah PS3 so, so I've done some of those games but I have not played one on the PS4 I have not one played on this one on the PS5 yet and I want to you know get your guys's input on the, this new one but um. I don't have a ton of history. I just remember like this being like, oh, hey, I got to get, you know, your class B, A, S, and then international license and it being kind of a kind of a pain in the ass. I've, you know, I've moved on to like the more arcadey type of of games and we don't have to get into that right away. Like but that's that's kind of where my like, uh, you know, my gaming preference yeah. and is you're not, in those types. Jeff is also not a fan of simulation flying games. So I think... Yeah. The arcade style is more where Jeff's coming from on driving mm-hmm. and flying games. Uh-huh. Uh, the simulation ones, like you didn't play Flight Simulator, did you? 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I downloaded that and I do want to try that. But also, you know what? Well, here's the thing that throws me off about these kinds of games. And um, I'm, I'm going to get what I want to say out because, Rob, you played it. And I'm sure you had a lot to say and I just want to hear that. But like there's things like in the menu, I'm watching in the menu, actually two things I want to say about it. So I'm watching uh, some of the, the look throughs of this game and, and I'm looking at stuff. And just there's a point where they get into the menu when you're tuning the car. Uh-huh. And it's just like word puke all over the screen, all these different menu options. And I'm sure that some people love that. And I, I respect that. And if that's your kind of game, that's cool. I'm glad you bought the racing wheel or whatever thing, uh-huh. you know, if you're that kind of guy. But for me, that is just not something that I tend to care about. And I did think it was interesting that like on the main page, uh, the credits, you know, they're advertising. Uh, I was watching uh, Giant Bomb, uh, who I love. They were going through their little quick look series and, and looking mm-hmm. at the game. And in the menu, the, the game hadn't released yet. But you could see the blank spots of where they're going to send you to the store to buy things to oh, get yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a thing where I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm actually interested to see what you guys say. But it's weird that, you know, they seem to push that heavily in these games, you know, when yeah. I would think unlocking the cars would be the idea of the game. Yeah. Sure. Jeff really coming in with the Kanye energy. I'm gonna let you finish, but yeah, I need sorry. to talk my Yeah, I ran uh, I ran with it, my bad. <laughs> but I have a I guess I'm a middle ground. Like I wasn't huge into Gran Turismo, but mm-hmm. I remember it being a huge thing. Like my um my college roommate was a huge car guy. So this was like his porn, like Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. Cars, cars, Jeez. cars. I did a knock when I'm playing <laughs> Gran Turismo. <laughs> and for me, I've never been a huge uh, racing simulation guy because I'm just I'm not a huge car guy. So the cars that were on there, it wasn't like, oh, I'm really into that Honda. I'm really into that Porsche or whatever. I'm over here. All right, I got a PT Cruiser on mine. I got because right. my mom had a PT Cruiser, and I know that car. <laughs> And now today I'm like, all right, where's the Tesla? At? I I loaded up. I'm like, where's the EVs at, guys? Because I have a Tesla. Mm-hmm. So that's where I come in in my real world um, aesthetic. But I just remember it being like Madden for f- like what Madden was to football guys, Gran mm-hmm. Turismo was to car guys. It was a something seminal, that, yeah, a seminal game, huge uh, pop culture type of thing where it crossed borders and people who even weren't not gamers were talking about Madden or they're talking about Grand Tree. Oh, you play that new Grand Tree? Play that new GT? Those are the type of guys that I remember Grand Turismo. So it was coming out every couple of years and it was always like a big thing. And then I was like, dang, yeah, the last one, Grand Turismo 6, was in 2013. So mm-hmm. it's been a while and I hadn't heard people talking about it. So when this new seven came out and I'd heard different podcasts talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, let me, let me check this out and get back into it. Cause I remember people going crazy over the, the amount of cars, the customization, like you were talking about Jeff of, mm-hmm. you can just tweak everything. You could turn up all these knobs and, and different things. And I'm like, I don't care. Just, I want to put the car on the track and race it. That's what I want to do. I want to make it an arcade game. So, when I saw this, I was like, all right, I'll check it out because everybody's talking about it. Um, and I guess Rob. Mm-hmm. I'm most interested in Rob's take on this because I don't know <laughs> Rob's. I don't know Rob's taste in like racing games. I've never 
what 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 would you say it is, Rod? Do you have like ones you like or? Uh, yeah. Or there's just... a racing game. I gosh, I've put so many hours into it. It's a little game called oh. Mario Kart Eight. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Did you tune uh, the the blue shell that you? I had said, where are my where are my bananas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. That's I, the I'm definitely playing this racer. a certain way. Now I've never, mm. like I said, I've never played a Gran Turismo game. Never really super been into cars. Like I've. It's the same. I had, you know, best friends growing up that were super duper into cars and stuff. And so I like gained very loose secondhand knowledge on cars, you know, being around these people. So I like I I feel like I have enough of an understanding, but I'm definitely not like a pro or anything. But I'll tell you, having no experience with this whatsoever and also having recently played uh, Forza Horizon, the new one that came out. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a totally different feel than this game. I don't hate this game. Ooh. I actually, when I was playing it, uh, I've been pl- most of my gaming time this week has been focusing on the game, focusing on this game. Just, and usually when I want to, when I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about this game, I'm going to review this game, you know, I get that way, despite if I really like it or if I really hate it, I'm just going to play it. Um, and when I was playing it yesterday, after maybe like two hours, I think I'm like five or six hours total this week into the game. I was racing for uh, for a championship, and about halfway through the race, it hit me that it, fe- it felt, I don't want to say therapeutic, but it was very like calming hmm. just playing it, because there's not a lot happening. It's not, I mean, it's just these little tracks you know, that you're going around three times. There's not a whole lot visually going on. Like, I'm not driving down a volcano like I was in Forza. Like, right. I'm in some racetrack going in a circle, right. making making left-hand turns over and over again. Um, but having that in the cockpit view and seven cars in front of me, and I'm trying to get to the to the top three in order to, to progress in the quote-unquote missions that I'm doing... Like I said, it was calming almost, like relaxing, I guess. It's like a good wind down. I don't love the game, mm-hmm. but I could see myself like if I just wanted to play something really quiet and just straightforward, maybe getting into it. But there's a lot also that are that's on the opposite side of that, where I was like, what's even going on in this game? Like this here here's the structure of the game, Jeff. I'm gonna tell you right now. Yeah, you turn on you turn on the game. Okay. Right? What happens before anything even happens? It's like, hey, you wanna t- uh, take this car for a race? Uh, to to music, pick a song, and we're gonna race this car while this song plays. Before a menu hits, before wow. the title hits, before it teaches you how to play the game, it's just like <laughs> wanna ra- wanna race this car? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I guess. Right. And you know, and I, that was I, supposed to be like while the game was installing, is like, here, here's something to do while you're waiting. Oh, okay. Race this thing while while we install it in the background. But mm-hmm. by the time I had played it, the game had already been installed. Like I downloaded it yeah. earlier in the day, and I got to it at the end of the day. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm gonna play this thing. And it was like a three minute thing of where i just had to keep racing until the song ended and that felt more arcadey because you know like in um, san francisco rush uh like we talked about earlier or any other racing arcade game 
where you have a timer like 30 seconds going down and you have to hit your marker and then you, the timer goes back up and you know if the timer runs out the race is over so it was it was more of an arcadey style then and then that race finishes and then this is not an exaggeration jeff they make you sit through 10 minutes God. of oh, of God. opening credits of the the history of cars you can't skip it no oh man <laughs> not skip this jeff oh um, my God. as a matter of fact i recorded a video i said i, I made a video mm. for the youtube page it'll be up soon where i was just documenting my first experience with gran turismo and in this seven maybe it's a little less than 10 minutes like seven to ten minute segment where nothing's happening it's just credits it's like look at look how cars used to be manufactured and now here's the beatles for some reason <laughs> and now the, the beatles are in it i don't know why yeah so it was so boring that i went i put my controller down i switched over to obs and you know how you can you have your little screen of you mm -hmm. um in the corner i just started playing that game like you remember how like the old dvd players uh screensaver the dvd logo would bounce around like i started oh, doing that yeah. with my camera and me because mm -hmm. i was so bored i was oh. like let's see if i can make it land in the corners because <laughs> nothing's happening in this game that's hilarious. Um, there's. Uh, I was gonna say, um, not to interrupt you, but there is like a weird museum thing in here. Rob, did you mess with? Because where they do, I saw that, and I was like, it was like they're giving headlines. They're like, here's the first PlayStation Two was released with a DVD ROM drive, yeah, and like think, you're like, yeah. Well, I think is for this? for the listeners and then for Jeff too, mm -hmm. it's probably a good caveat to say the whole focus is supposed to be like it's a museum like it's you're learning about mm. the history of cars and racing and that was the whole focus of the game like they don't tell you that going into it i didn't know that yeah. i was listening to a podcast they were talking about it and they were like this is specifically supposed to be focused as a museum as a like you're learning about and so all of these things kind of start to make sense as you if you know that going into it it falls mm -hmm. in line. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now why I know I'm reading all this stuff because it's supposed to be like a almost like an educational thing. So yeah, that's and that didn't that click with know. me until I Got started you. playing the game a little further. Mm -hmm. Because once you get past that, you know, you get this like little hub world where it's like an uh, like a world map almost, and you can pick. Okay, I'm going to go to um, this cafe. This cafe that nobody else is at, and they don't even serve coffee, <laughs> and they hand you a menu, and it's a menu of cars. Oh. And it's like, these are three European cars. Hmm. Collect these three cars, and then when you collect all three, come back here, and I'm going to tell you all about these cars. And so you get the menu. That's like your quest, so to speak. Hmm. So you get your menu, and then you go to the world... Uh, I forget what it's called exactly, but it's like the world track, world racetrack. And... You can race tracks around the world and they progressively unlock as you go or you pick particular tracks to race on. And then getting in the top three of those races unlocks the particular cars. So, so there's three races that you have to find in order to progress this quote-unquote story. Mm -hmm. And so using, uh, like, they were Japanese compact cars or Japanese front-wheel front drive cars was one of them. Uh oh okay. So I was... Uh, 
unlocking these front wheel drive cars. And then when I had all three unlocked on the menu, then I go back to the cafe and then they're like, okay, let me start telling you all these facts about these cars and how this became a very popular build and how the, this trend grew. Mm. And it's like giving you all these pre-rendered shots of the cars and stuff. So, I mean, it was interesting in that regard. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I've said it already. I'm the very casual when it comes to cars. Mm-hmm. But it was still interesting. I was like, okay, you're going to teach me something. All right, let tell, tell me the history of these compact cars. Like I said, it's fun in the sense I didn't. I opted not to really get into the customization all that much, mm-hmm. just because I didn't. I really wanted to focus more on what to, what are the races like, like what's the core gameplay like. Although the way I play the game, I play it kind of like an a hole because every time I pass somebody, I deliberately mm-hmm. crash my car into them and run them into the wall, uh-huh. and I'm like sucker, <laughs> getting them past me. Um, but it definitely gives you a lot of options, like. Do you want to learn about this particular type of car? Mm-hmm. The, these are the courses you need to be playing, and these are the missions that you need to be playing. And, and I was gonna say, I did, I did see that if you hit somebody, they have it's called like run, like a clean race. Yeah, clean race. And yeah, you lose. I hit like everybody. Your points, so you're losing. <laughs> I hit everybody, and I was still getting the clean race bonuses. So oh, I don't okay. really know what was. Oh, I don't okay. know what was going on. And then I also dived into the the licensing that you were talking mm, about. So yeah. there's, you know, you get your D license, I think was the first one. Um, and it's really just tutorials. It's like mm. 15 tutorials. And that's, you're going to drive straight and now you're going to break. Yeah. And that's always okay. been throughout the Gran Turismo series. That goes back to mm. the first one. Yeah. So, I mean, I went through all that. And then by the time you finish all those tutorials, then you have to do a course you know, where you're implementing all these things you learn, like how to, uh, when you should be breaking, when you should uh, be looking in your mirror, when you should be paying attention to other people. All these things that anybody who's played a video game or driven a car, like, would know, but it just more translated towards a video game aspect. And then there was also, I got a pop-up for, like, a championship thing, which I showed you guys when I was playing it yesterday, where you had to win two races and get a championship and win some cars and that was pretty easy actually for the most part the difficulty wasn't i didn't find the game terribly hard there was maybe only twice where i didn't place um Hmm. and that was more just because i wasn't like i was going too fast on turns and things like that and people would pass me but once once i figured out what i was doing wrong it was pretty easy to self-correct and win the next time around um like i said i didn't really get a whole lot into the the customization aspect of it yet but Overall, it's not bad. It's definitely not an arcade game, I'll tell you that, or arcade-style racing. Mm-hmm. But I still found it enjoyable. I didn't... I don't regret the purchase. Gotcha. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and, and I was going to say this too, and not, not to interrupt you, Vector, but it, it also, there's things in these games that I think don't play for us very well. Um, unless, you know, like... So there is, like... You know, like you said, and this is probably why the history aspect of this works probably pretty well, I think, to or to get like our kind of, you know, crowd into this, because there's things like, you know, Rob, you're mentioning it's like, hey, I'm not racing on the side of a volcano. And that's that's uh-huh. true. And that's what we I think like in Horizon, you know, that's what we all enjoy. Um, but there's things like in this game, like I was I was watching people, you know, they were racing down the uh the tokyo expressway which like if you know what that looks like in like the racing world that like the street racing that they have out there like you know what it looks like you can see it and you're like oh that's those roads 
And, you know, you're racing on it with these like little Honda Civics that they use out there to race on the, on those roads. And like, so I think there's there's it's stuff that's, you know, I think you have to kind of be into that world, like, you know, which I'm only into only through like some vice documentaries that I've seen, you know, like, well, yeah. uh, like I'm eating something on, you know, at the table or whatever, like just things like that, that I, I could see why. So to me, it is like, like you said, it's more of a uh subdued like you have to be into racing i think i'm sure a lot of those tracks like if you know tracks i'm sure a lot of those are are in the game too but i just don't i just don't know any of those either in the real world so it's hard for me to like oh this is uh you know this certain track in spain or whatever like i just wouldn't know that that's why it's the difference between arcade racing and simulation racing is so vast and like some people like both some people like one or the other but this one is a true sim racing game, and it's held true to that. You know, the, the core of the Gran Turismo series has always been that. What I really um, liked was, um, Jeff, did you ever play Project Gotham Racing? I on did, Xbox? on the 360? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's no. the type of simulation racing I like, and mm-hmm. that's the type of track racing I like, because... Like with Forza, I like the open world stuff better. Like you said, driving down a volcano or driving in Mexico or wherever, like just on open world driving versus Mm -hmm. just being stuck on a track going in a circle over and over again. Mm -hmm. So with Project Gotham, I will never get over Project Gotham. I've I've been talking about that game ever since it came out, and I'm upset that they did not continue that series because I would still be playing Project Gotham to this day if they still had that the whole reward system and you would get credits every time you did a drift, every time you did, you know, cut somebody off, whatever you get these Mm. credits and then you spend the credits. So it was like this reward system and making you like giving you that dopamine hit of, Oh, I'm getting something. I'm getting um, an achievement for doing this. That project Gotham. I loved that to Mm. me was probably my perfect racing game was project Gotham. So, with Gran Turismo 7 being a simulation game, a traditional sim, sim game, track racing, I think I told you guys off mic when you asked me what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. I'm right in line with Rob. I told him, I told you guys, I give it a three out of five. It's right mm-hmm. in the middle. It's not great. It's not my favorite game of the year. It's not terrible. It's not a bad game. It's good. I could see. If you're really into cars, if you're really into the series, it's just more of the same. There's nothing new mm-hmm. necessarily from the other Gran Turismo games, but it's a huge like undertaking, and I don't have the time to play this game. I was yeah. like, you you do these daily races, and you get points mm-hmm. for doing everything, so it's like trying to reward you for coming back to it every day. But for me, I think I'm not going to go back to this because I've got so many other games that I really like, like these are like five out of five games that I'm, I'm st- I want to get into and play. And that's where I want to spend my time. So for Gran Turismo seven, it's a really good game. If you're a fan of the Gran Turismo series, you're going to like it. But for me, I think for all of us, I should say Forza horizon is better. It's the type of game that we want to play. I think we all were fans of crazy taxi, um, the San Francisco rush, like Rob said earlier, those are the type of racing games that I'm into much more arcade feel, uh, much more arcade style. 
So mm. the Gran Turismo series has never been my favorite, but seven is good. Mm. And you can get the upgrade on the PS4, right? Is that how you did this? Correct? Yeah. So I bought the PS4 version and then you can upgrade to PS5 because there are um, a lot of differences that it takes advantage of the PS5 specifically, including mm-hmm. increased processing power, ray tracing, um, the solid state drive, the dual sense controller with haptic feedback, um, adaptive triggers, um, the three D spatial audio, reduced loading yeah. times. And is that is that where you just put the disc in and it just downloads the PS five version, or is it like one time per disc? How does that function? Do you know? I want to say it's every time, mm-hmm. as long as you have the disc, because that's how Horizon is. Um, the Horizon sequel. Actually, you know what? We should try that. Yeah, Jeff, I should hand you the Horizon disc and see. I'll, if say, it I'll buy. I'll buy. I'll buy it for you from you to yeah, try out. See the if game. it upgrades. Sure. But mm-hmm. um, I actually did not realize this, but the Gran Turismo Seven mm-hmm. upgrade you actually have to pay for. I did not uh, realize that. So was it ten, ten bucks? Yeah, it's a ten dollar upgrade, just like with the mm-hmm. Uncharted. Um, so you get all these features, and it's just a software unlock. Like it's not anything off the disc that's different between the ps4 and the ps5 mm-hmm. they're just unlocking it on the back end so that's kind of weird but like i said you get the 4k resolution the 60 frames per second hdr like all these things are a ps5 upgrade mm-hmm. um for the game so as usual gran turismo also has also been like the graphical blueprint for a lot of games where they're like all right does it look as good as gt does it look as good which i say i thought forza had been eating their lunch basically for the last handful of years where they've been the game that is the visual you know yeah. racing game you know right which that's what i knew as in the you know ps3 ps2 mm-hmm. era now you know forza has taken over that since like xbox one in my opinion right mm-hmm. and i don't think we're the type of guys to care about, oh, this one has 400 cars and that one has 300 cars. Like mm-hmm. That's not something that we're looking at. I was the same way as Rob. I'm not into customizing. I just want to get on the track and race it. So I always just pick the standard layout, throw me mm-hmm. on the road as soon as possible. I've always done that, all the Gran Turismo's. So I did it again in this one. And the beginning couple races, they felt like a little bit slow for me. And they're a little, like Rob was saying, they're very easy. It's not a lot of challenge at the beginning. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because some people, some people might get frustrated when a game is too difficult at the beginning and throw it away right away. So maybe being easy is, is a a positive in that sense. But for me, it was kind of like there wasn't as much challenge. So I didn't want to go back to it. You know, I didn't want to keep playing it as much versus other things that I'm playing where I want to keep on, like it's drawing me back to it. So all of those things are things that don't lead me to, to want to play it again. Um, Rob, after you're done with Elden Ring and Horizon, do you think you'll come back to Gran Turismo 7? Yeah, I think I might. It, it, and I don't think it'll necessarily be a when I'm done with this game or when I'm done with that game, because there's, there's not going to be, a period where there's not games I want to play. Like, let's just mm-hmm. call it like it is. You know, there's always games coming out. I like playing video games. That's just what I like to do. So I'm going to dive into this game and this game and this game and this game as they come out. But I could see this one being 
man, I just want to relax for a couple minutes. Just not really. I don't want to. I don't want to fight monsters. I don't want to, you know, fight uh, robot animals. This side of the other. I just want to like play a quiet game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I thing... could. I could see myself coming back and playing it every once in a while. And that, like, you know, maybe you know, a couple races at a time. Right. Here or there. Yeah, I could see that. That was kind of the same way for me on a lot of the Spider-Man games that were coming out when the movies were coming out. Where I would like, all right, I'm not necessarily wanting to to jump into the story. I just want to swing around the city. I just want to relax. So sometimes I have that feeling as well, where I just want to put it on just to take take my mind off of stuff and uh, not necessarily worry about the story or or uh, pushing forward. But I, I, last thing I want to say about the game is I feel like with Forza Horizon Five specifically. The GTA formula feels outdated to me now where, like I said, this is not very much different from the first Gran Turismo I remember playing back in my college days. So the evolution of the series, I don't think has, and that's, some people like that. I like Forza Horizon 5. That's, I think, what feels to me like a modern racing game. So I think GT is due for an overhaul. I think they, there's some things that need to be changed about the system and about the, the franchise itself to get me to be more interested in the future. That sounds fair to me. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of fair, this episode has been a fairly long one, yeah. <laughs> boys. But you know what? It's all worth it when you're talking about video games. So I appreciate you two joining me for this. And I appreciate you, the listeners. We all appreciate you, the listeners. Thank you so much for sticking with us for another episode of The Sandbox Gamers. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course. We're going to be talking about Tunic. But in the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, again, you can find us on Twitter, the or we're Sandbox Gamer Pod. Again, that's Sandbox Gamer Pod on Twitter or the Sandbox Gamers on Instagram. If you want to follow us as individuals, well, why not? You can follow Vactor on Instagram and Twitter, pretty much anywhere actually, at Vactor, V A C T O R. You can follow Jeff W on all the places at Jeff W J E F F W. And myself, I'm no exception. I'm Wonder Rob pretty much everywhere at wonder rob w-o-n-d-e-r-r-o-b uh the sandbox gamers is part of the geek so to speak podcast network so don't forget to check out all the other shows on the podcast network of course geek so to speak is your source for all things geek every week starring myself shaf and special announcement i guess we can spoil it vactor is joining the cast of geek so to speak podcast starting with this week's episode oh, where yeah. we're going to be talking about what is it dex dmz dmz i was way off well it started with a D, <laughs> and it was three letters but we're going to be talking about dmz this week there's also the hold on maneuver podcast which is your weekly source for all things star wars uh, hosted by vactor and mark vibbert and there's also technological your source for all things star trek every week hosted by shaf and vactor and you can find all the links in the show notes or simply go to geek so to speak dot com forward slash network again that's geek so to speak dot com 
forward slash network. Thanks for joining, guys. Again, don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. GG, everybody. GG. GG's. Don't poop in the sandbox. <laughs>